0: Not a matter of if, but when, a crisis could turn your life upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or ripped-from-the-headlines controversy. My Crisis Squad and I are here to find solutions, We also turn to special subject matter experts and newsmakers to dissect big topics. In all cases, our suggestions are meant to help you handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, film critic and entertainment reporter Paul McGuire-Grimes is here to talk about a topic that looks to be a crisis in the waiting. What happens to the British monarchy now that Queen Elizabeth II is no longer? In a case file I call, the Queen is dead. Queen Elizabeth died on September 8th. Her funeral was on September 19th, where 2,000 guests, including 500 leaders and foreign dignitaries, were part of the first state funeral since Winston Churchill's. All living former British prime ministers attended, as well as all European royalty. Her passing gives us a moment to consider what's next and discuss the distinct camps on whether the monarchy should even continue. Paul, I have strong feelings about this, (laughs) but let's first talk about the pomp and circumstance of her funeral and the outpouring of emotion over her death.
1: Yeah. One of the things I think that we have all have been watching over the last week is really the countrywide outpouring sorrow and grief over her death to the point where people are waiting in line for miles. And for je- hours. For hours, 24 hours to pay their respects, to go up to her casket and have an emotional reaction to her death. It's been interesting to watch that country outpouring. It's been interesting to see how the family is reacting. How, what the narratives coming out of the media are in terms of Harry and William, Meghan and Kate, the succession of the throne, how does that all play in? What are they all wearing? There's so many optics regarding the actual monarchy in terms of this is how we do things. This is how a casket is brought in. This is how we place the throne and the scepter and all of the pomp and circumstance. And then there's the optics of family that get brought into it as well.
0: Her funeral day was declared a public holiday in the UK. At the end of the funeral, two minutes of silence were observed across the United Kingdom. She reigned for 70 years. She met so many of the United States, I think it was around 15 different presidents, something like that. It is amazing that we talk about it in different ways the Commonwealth has 56 countries. The British monarch is the head of state. Over 14 of those countries, in many, seen as a ceremonial head Mm -hmm. of state, not really actively doing the laws. But the twist here, Paul, is that there has been a lot of drama, not just around her death, but in at least a decade or more leading up to her death, with The way Princess Diana was treated, then the death of Diana, the outpouring of love from the world for Diana, kind of anti-sometimes the Queen and Mm -hmm. and Charles, now King Charles, and The Meghan Markle situation, the latest to come in, and how she and Harry decided to leave and not be royals,
1: really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that really shook things up. I think we're used to seeing, you know, William, because he was the next in throne after Charles, following in suit with what the traditions are. And then you have Harry and Meghan coming in, and over the last 10 years, really looking at... What happened to Diana? How do William and Harry protect their own kids so that something doesn't happen to them and their own families? And that changes the game. And then we saw Harry and Meghan doing an Oprah interview, giving no holds bar to like their own mental health issues, what they were gonna do to protect their families moving forward, what maybe happened behind the scenes in terms of racism, in terms of conversations about what their child was gonna look like. really frustrated a lot of people because it was going against a narrative that I think the institution, the, the family, the business of the monarchy wants to put out there. And I give them great props for being open about it, sharing their story, trying to get out and protect them. Now, do they have their own narrative? Do they have their own thought process? Sure, who wouldn't? But I kind of liked this idea of them protecting their family. And I think that that's something I think we all think about too, going into our own families. How do I protect my family? Even though that may go against some family traditions or go against what people think about us? How do I put that into place and get these conversations started? And then it's like, oh, well, William and Harry don't like each other anymore and now they're riffing. And that became part of the talking points about Queen Elizabeth's funeral is Harry and William and if they were walking together and, oh, they're chatting. It's and like they are brothers after all. In and- the
0: funeral in Westminster Abbey, if you look at the pictures, mm-hmm. Harry and Meghan are in row two next to of Harry's cousins, not in the front row. Mm -hmm. So that gets talked about is that's a slight and they wouldn't allow him to wear his military uniform, even though Harry served longer than his brother or his father. So, I mean, these are the kinds of things. And we don't know.
1: You know, we don't know what's going on between them. Those are conversations that William and Harry, and Meghan and Kate, and the four of them are having together that we don't know. We Wait, hear just spe- like
0: you don't like. We don't know what's happening when you and Ryan go to Thanksgiving exactly. with your we family. We don't
1: know. Um, I don't like that there's speculation about that. I don't like that we are quick to put them at odds against each other because we don't know. And why is that a talking point instead of maybe talking about? What's going to happen next? What can we learn going forward with the monarchy or with William in power or with Charles in power? What is that going to look like?
0: So part of the issue for me, and I have to kind of separate this from what Queen Elizabeth did, the reluctant queen. Her father's line wouldn't have even come into this position had her uncle not abdicated the throne for an American divorcee way, way, way back. So, okay, that being aside, I was born in Sri Lanka, the island off the tip of India. It's its own country, for those who didn't know, part of the Commonwealth. Sri Lanka and India got independence around the same time in 1947. My mother was a toddler at the time. My father was four or five years old. So I grew up in our household in the United States with my mother being very into the monarchy. And when Princess Diana came along, she got into that. And as I came to learn more and more about colonialism and that the British monarch helped to divide Sri Lanka and the roots of a lot of the political turmoil post 1947 in Sri Lanka, at least really started with the fact that the British monarchy was there. So I, be, I sort of came to dislike the monarch. Now I'm still watch The Crown. I learned I a lot from The, the Crown, the Crown <laughs> on the Netflix. Again,
1: that's not a documentary. Right, it is a not, dramatized it,
0: it look is, at right docu. Drama, I would call it. But they had to have done some research somewhere. So
1: meticulous research. Meticulous
0: research. research. I'm watching The Crown with all of this angst toward the monarchy for a long time, have believed, still do, the monarchy should go away. They're a burden on the taxpayers. And... Also, like, just knowing different times I'd have fun arguments with my mother, Mm -hmm. like, mother, these people destroyed your country, (laughs) and yet you've got a picture of Lady Di in your room, you know, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. That being said, I would like to see the monarchy go away, like to find a way for them to retire themselves— And some of it goes to the core now of who I have become. I do not believe anyone is better or less than anyone else. I believe we all have rights in terms of American language, but just in general. When I watched the crown and saw that all these multiple people helped these quote unquote monarchs get dressed or that they had to be in lower levels of the home, I just I was viscerally affected that there are certain people out there who just by nature of their titles think they are better than everyone else. So that's my issue with the monarchy. And then on top of it, Charles was a true ass to Diana. Oh. I mean, like, <sighs> I learned that from the crown, but I think we learned it in real life. I think
1: we've through all through some have of the Yeah. Some of the dialogue I'm hearing too is how long will Charles really be king? And is he just kind of an interim king? Can't well, don't we skip, you think can't we skip Charles and finally, just go right to he's William like, for finally
0: life? finally, I can be the king. Right. I think he's going to hang on to it as long as well, he can. Well, he's
1: got gray jeans. I mean, <laughs> Philip and Elizabeth lived a very long life. So yes, it's not did. like Charles will be there for four years. I think this can be a great time, and maybe we won't see this with Charles. I see Charles being someone that will keep the very traditions that his mother put into place or the history of the monarchy has put into place and kept that going, especially if people believe the narrative of him not talking to Harry regarding all of this. He seems like a very traditional guy. Maybe it's up to then William when he takes the crown in 20 years or whatever it is to really maybe change some things. And what does that look like? I don't know. Maybe it's being more open about the conversations. Maybe it's being more of a peacemaker than Charles could be. And maybe it's not thinking, well, this is the way we do things, and this is the way that things have to be done. Which I think is what Elizabeth had to do at the same time. I think there was a saving a face that she always had to do. You know, whether She really
0: that... couldn't live her own life, Paul.
1: No. Oh, absolutely not. She was
0: really this life of service, I mean, I think that is what is interesting. And that's what I would love to dig into and really understand myself. I mean, I don't think I could be that way. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that a lot of Americans could be that way. So it may not only be up to the quote unquote monarchy. In a recent Ipsos poll, 58% of Canadians were polled just after Queen Elizabeth's death. Quote, Time has come for Canada to hold a referendum on ending formal ties to the British throne. This happened just shortly after her death. But other countries across the world that are part of the Commonwealth had started these conversations on in a year or two, we're going to have this referendum. And then since her death, even more of them. So it's
1: like good timing. Like if people want to get out, this is your the trans- time. Now's your time. Yeah. Here's you your ticket I will say one of the things that I thought was interesting is just seeing the country coming together. And that is something that we would never see here in America. Our country, in my opinion, right now is so divided politically that if a president were to pass away, you would never see this. And some of our
0: country doesn't even know who the president is. Well, there's that. yeah,
1: Even when I think it was George H.W. Bush, when he passed away, not all the living presidents went to his funeral.
0: And that was sad to see. And that was
1: sad to see. Or if a first lady passes away, not everyone goes when I feel like they should. And why is that not happening? Well, you if, wouldn't have a country coming together if any of our presidents taking the day off, mourning him, having this lying. Well, instinct. here,
0: you know, as I was pulling together some of these amazing stats, five hundred world leaders and foreign dignitaries. Can you imagine the security nightmare that was? Oh, for the UK to have that many, and yet it was safe. Yep, there was no violence. Even Google. Turned black for the day. It's doodle. Mm -hmm. It turned black for the day. There is not anyone else I can think of, whether you liked her or not, respected her or not, Mm -hmm. that has that much of a reputation and credibility around the globe to garner this attention and the presence at her funeral, the outpouring from not just the UK, the world.
1: And that is saying something. It does. Whether you like her or the the monarchy as itself, there's something to be respected about someone that can have that type of power and that image for 70 years. The city was still going on. I think people (laughs) forgot like London was still happening. Right. People were still going to business and work. And yet the whole people were waiting in line. The world almost came together for this one person. How can we think about that with maybe some of our leaders or moving forward in our own country? Is that even possible anymore?
0: What I'd love to see is that we can take whatever each of us believes was some of the good of Queen Elizabeth Mm -hmm. and use that as inspiration and really ask ourselves, should we be putting people on a throne, on a pedestal? We do it in the United States. They do it in the UK in different ways. But some of our celebrities, we do that. Absolutely, And think of some of our professional athletes who continue to behave badly, commit crimes, get charged with crimes or accused of crimes, and yet they're back on the courts and the rinks making millions of dollars. When things happen, and, and for many people the death of the queen was a tragedy for others. It's like, look, she was 96 years old. (laughs) I mean, come on. She lived a life. She lived a very long life. She's at rest now next to her husband, very next to her husband. And we shall see. I haven't been that impressed with the PR coming out of um, the palace Mm -hmm. for many, many, many years. So it will be interesting. But what I would like to see is the world is far more global and Connected than way, way back centuries mm-hmm. when sometimes these monarchs were needed just for order, just for whether it was safety, order, whatever. I don't know that we need the monarchy for those reasons anymore.
1: I would hope not, but maybe I would that's maybe no. that maybe that is a guiding light if a country is divided like we are. Maybe you need someone that is this guiding light. Instead of putting that job on someone else, maybe the job that we have to do is to hold ourselves accountable and ask for the right things and put our own to be transparent about what we need in life. if like To go back to Harry and Meghan, if they are saying, we need to take care of our mental health, we need to take care of our anxiety issues, we do not want our children to be a part of this, maybe we need to respect that and not turn our noses at that or not say, well, you're going against tradition. Okay, that was the tradition of the time. What is happening right now to help ourselves?
0: And here are a lot of people who are in this monarchy who have very big platforms. Yeah. So how do you use that platform? And you mentioned Meghan and Harry; they're using it in a certain way. Now King Charles has a different platform. Mm-hmm. How is he going to use it? Is he going to use it for unification, for transparency, for to openness, be
1: progressive, or more or power grab?
0: Right. Yeah. Or division. Always, always a treat chatting with Paul McGuire Grimes. You can check out all things Paul online at paulstriptothemovies.com. Today's Crisis Brief brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, consider any conversation for change. Look at tradition as well as what makes sense going forward. Number two, reflect on the queen's life of service and how we think of that topic of service in our country. Number three, consider how people in positions of power or any position use their platforms. Are you using yours for good? The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to podcast co producer Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and assistant producer Kim Inslee. Want us to weigh in on your crisis? Email me, rashini at rashinigroup.com. That's R O S H I N I at rashinigroup.com. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.